0: This is the Straight Truth Podcast. Biblical answers to difficult questions from a Christian worldview. Well, Pastor, our question for this episode has to do with family leadership, and here it goes. Can you share any useful steps you have discovered that can help me carry out responsible actions in family leadership? I'm assuming, I don't actually know, but I'm assuming this is coming from the vantage point of a husband. Mm. And um, But I wonder if you could speak to it from that vantage point, but also the vantage point from the wife as well.
1: Sure. Well, Obviously, I mean, the simple answer is take seriously all the statements God has given us in his word about what living as a husband is to be. Take those things to heart and strive to live them out in the of the power of the spirit of God. So when you think about loving your wife in a sacrificial way as Christ loves the church and think now about Ephesians 5, I want to live that out. When I think about not being harsh with my wife, Colossians chapter 3, I want to live that out. I think one perspective maybe we could bring into the, into the issue that we sometimes don't think enough about, we think about pastoral qualifications and we think about how a man's home life is emphasized in those qualifications. Mm-hmm. If a man doesn't know how to manage his home, how's he gonna take care of the mm-hmm. church of God? So we think about it from, from that angle. Well, what I don't think we think about enough is every man in the church, whether he's ever gonna serve as an elder or not, serve as a pastor or not, ought to be striving to live an elder qualified life. Hmm. So if you took all of the qualifications for an elder, which must be in agreement with, in accordance with a sound home Mm -hmm. life, because that's Mm -hmm. one of the qualifications, and you begin to strive to live those things out, Mm -hmm. then that would make you a good leader in the realm of your home. In other words, what I'm saying is I think, I think the same leadership style, or the same leadership areas of emphasis, or the same leadership, character that belongs to a solid home life is that which belongs to solid pastoral life. So, so we, we see it working that direction sometimes. I think it would be good to turn it around mm-hmm. and say, okay, what, what, what does a good pastor look like? Mm-hmm. Well, let me strive to live that out in my home. Mm-hmm. So when you think about, for example, Peter's teaching that we're to lead the church not as overlording, not as lording it over the congregation, but being examples mm-hmm. to the flock. We'll take that home. Mm-hmm. So when we think about the fact that the husband is the head of the wife, he's to be a leader to his wife, that's, this is true, but what kind of a leader is a good husband? Well, mm-hmm. not one who lords it over his wife, but one who strives to be a godly example for his wife. Mm-hmm. This This is the godly leader at home. I think we're living in a time, Josh, where Biblical complementarity, male leadership in the home is resisted yeah, by the sure. culture, even in the church. Mm-hmm. And, and so we want to have an egalitarian vision for married life, and, and it's not the biblical vision at all. But at the same time, I can say, I think sometimes our overreaction to the loss of those commitments, even in the church, is, is a lording over kind of mentality in, in, in young men. So learning what it is to be the leader in your home, to be a leader to your wife in all the ways the Bible teaches husbands to live, thinking about what it means to be a good shepherd, what it means to be a good pastor, taking that home with you, that would be step one. And that would include not lording over her, mm-hmm. but being being an example to her.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what about the perspective uh, from
1: the wife? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the wife's perspective is to be a helper. God, God made a helper for Adam in the very beginning. We remember there's a creator, we're the creation. There's a designer, there's a design. So again, I would encourage wives to embrace everything the Bible teaches about what it means to live as a godly wife. Mm-hmm. This would include submission, which, which is not to be voiceless. Sometimes people will take 1 Peter chapter 3, mm-hmm. where the best way that a wife can win a disobedient husband is not with her words, but by her submissive actions. Mm-hmm her pure and chaste behavior. Mm -hmm. They take that to mean that she's to be completely silent. I I don't think that passage is teaching that. It's not teaching that she has to be completely silent, it's reminding her that her most forceful influence will not be her words, but her example. Just the same way with the husband, right? Mm -hmm. Not being a lord over her, but by being Mm -hmm. an example. So a wife exerts influence on her husband, not primarily through her words, but by her example. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage uh, a wife to do what the Bible teaches, to be submissive, to be a helper, to walk alongside her husband, to be a wise counselor, but uh, in the end to realize God has designed a different role for husbands and wives, and you glorify God and you best love your husband and your children when you embrace that role that God has assigned to you in his
0: word. And how should husbands and wives react when they uh, come to a decision or one of them makes a decision that turns out to be wrong? just say from the husband's vantage point he's supposed to lead in these ways especially with big decisions and uh, what if he makes a decision that turns out to be wrong what yeah. would you say when you think about the living out of, of this relationship
1: and marriage let me just make it more personal because it's the best way i think i can answer the question so when it comes to decision making my wife and i Jackie and i we talk about all of those decisions we reason through them together she gives me her viewpoint i give her mine And most of the time, I mean, almost always, we end up on the same page and we're able to walk forward together, no disagreement. Every once in a while, in 36, going on 37 years of marriage, Mm -hmm. we've come to some decision that we just didn't see eye to eye on. And when that time came, after prayer, after looking at the word of God, uh, there's not a clear biblical word on the matter. It's it's a matter of judgment. Mm I led, I I felt like that was the role God gave me, believed it to be true, and and so I led. I can't say that I have batted a 1,000, Josh. I can't say that every decision I've made like that, I I made the right one. And that's where I would exhort my wife and all wives to understand what what a husband must do is his best. He does Mm -hmm. his best. She's not married to an inerrant man. She knows that and I know that. I'm gonna make mistakes. And that's where a wife has to trust that God's at work even in and through her husband's mistakes Hmm. to sanctify both of them. And what it doesn't mean is that they cease to live out these roles just because he's an imperfect example of his particular role. It means we're both learning Hmm. and she's gonna make mistakes too. Mm -hmm. And the the same goes on the other side of the equation. We learn to love each other despite our failures. We learn to be patient with each other Hmm. and we learn to trust God even the decisions we're making to live out these, these roles, we're trusting God in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unto the Lord right. that we live these things out. So my wife doesn't submit to me because she thinks she has a perfect husband. Mm-hmm. She submits to me as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I don't sacrificially love her because I think I have a perfect wife. I, I know what God's doing in both of, of our, our lives. I love her for the Lord's sake. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing that the more we do life like that, The more we love each other for the Lord's sake, the more we love each other on a personal level. Mm -hmm. So I've never loved my wife more than I love her today. It's not because I'm living delusionally to think that she's inerrant. I know she's not, but she's good. The Lord has given me a good wife. Mm -hmm. And I think she loves me more today than she did when we got married 36 years ago. Mm -hmm. Not because she has a perfect husband, but because we have a perfect savior. And as we, as we strive to love Him, we love each other better.
0: Pastor, we often get questions from some of our female listeners, a husband-wife scenario where um, a question is proposed of how, how can they appropriately submit to their husband, especially when it feels and it seems both visibly and also in uh, desire that, that the wife is, is more spiritual than her husband. I, I assume what that means is that she has more of a desire to mm-hmm. know the word. She's in the word regularly. She doesn't see her husband do that. She wants to be at the services and bring the family to when the church is meeting and the husband sometimes wants to or does, just stay, does not want to but stays home. However, he is con- a confessing Christian right. at the same time. So the question that we get often is, is how can she uh, biblically submit to him uh, in these situations when she feels like he's, he's lacking so much spiritually and doesn't seem to to show much of a desire to grow.
1: Yeah. Let's assume for a moment that what we're dealing with is not a man living sinfully, you know, in, a, in an overt way, uh-huh. not, not asking her to commit sins, because that's another issue. Mm-hmm. You know, what do I do when my, my husband's living a sinful life? But just lacking, what we're going to assume is he's just lacking the same desire she has, mm-hmm. lacking the same drive that she has. What, what do you do? Obviously, you pray for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know whoever asked the question, they already do that, but you do, and that, that shouldn't be diminished. The Lord has a way of bringing about circumstances through prayer that can drive a man to a new place of devotion that he's never known before. So pray for him, appeal to him, share your, your concerns and your desires with him. That, there's a way to do that that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. There's a way to do that that's loving, but but nonetheless communicates the burden that you have and the seriousness with which you you deal this you you see the situation you know, make clear to him that you're looking to him to be the leader sometimes what happens is a wife has such a strong desire that she be, he acquiesces to that and she becomes you know the de facto leader in the home in spiritual things he may lead in everything else but when it comes to spiritual things he's willing to take the back seat and just let her lead the way. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think she needs to to sit down with him heart to heart and say, I, I need you to be, to be the leader here. We need you as a family to be the leader here. So appeal to him in that way. At some point, if you guys are a part of a healthy local congregation, it's not wrong at all to reach out to a leader in the church and just say my husband could really use a friend mm-hmm. just to encourage him in his walk with Christ. You can do that in a way that's not disrespectful to your husband, in a way that doesn't run him down. You can do it in a way that's very positive in nature and just say, would you, would you mind coming alongside my husband and encouraging him? You could also do it the opposite direction and, and appeal to your husband that way. You know, would you, um, would you consider reaching out to someone for, for discipleship and mm-hmm. encouragement in the Lord? Ask him to read the Bible with you ask him, can we just open up the scriptures? You don't have to, I mean, if he, if he feels hesitant to teach, he can at least read. Mm-hmm. You know? we, would you read the scriptures with me? Mm-hmm. Ask him to pray with you. Mm-hmm. I think that the what I would want to emphasize, Josh, today is encourage him first. You know, There's a place in a, in a mm-hmm. Christian marriage, both directions for correction. There has to be. Jackie and I are coming on 38 years now of marriage. She's corrected me plenty of times. There's a place for that. That's good. There's a way to do it. That honors God and mm-hmm. still honors our roles and the distinctions that God has assigned to the, to the sexes. She does that in, in, a, in a way that I'm very proud of, but she corrects me. So there, there's gonna be a place for that, but I would always try to assume the best and encourage him. And then also I would say to any, any woman who's especially, let's say, you know, significantly ahead of her husband in the Lord, maybe years of walking with Christ or maybe her knowledge of the scriptures, there's a sense in which you're gonna have to give him room to grow into that role. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean you stop growing, but it means you stop taking the lead. It it, it can mean that. Mm -hmm. It can mean giving him room to grow into the role. Let's think about, for example, home devotions. Let's say Mm -hmm. you have children, and you're asking him, would you lead it? Maybe you've done it with the children, Mm -hmm. and he begins to lead it, and he doesn't do it the way you would want him to do it. He doesn't do it with the quality you would desire or the, the the amount of time devoted to it that you would desire. Instead of sort of cutting his legs out from under him and pointing out all the ways he could have done it better, encourage him mm-hmm. and give time and space with prayer to, to let him grow into that role. So those are just a few practical things that I would suggest. In terms of trusting his judgments, maybe that was also mm-hmm. in the question. Yeah, You know, he's not as, mature or not far, how do I trust his judgment? It's just a wonderful thing to remember that unless we're being asked to sin, God is at work through the authorities that he's assigned over our lives in ways that transcend them. Mm-hmm. You know, God isn't limited to the abilities or the capacities of the person in authority over us. Right. He transcends that all the time. And so, so sometimes even through bad decisions Our lives, our family life ends up in a very good place because God had a plan even for that. So I'm I'm not talking about sinful decisions, Mm -hmm. but you could have made a better one. You think if you would have taken the lead, dear lady, it would have been a better decision, but he's wanting to go in a different direction. You can trust the Lord to be at work in that as long as it honors Christ. It doesn't mean you don't share your view. It doesn't mean you don't give your wisdom. It doesn't mean you don't, you can't appeal to him. But, but, But if he says, after you guys have prayed together and you can't come, to sameness on the decision. You've gotta let him lead. Mm -hmm. And then if it it ends up not being exactly what you think was best, just trust that our sovereign God is at work even in that for good, for his glory and for for good, for your good and for the good of your family. Mm -hmm. Even if it means some hardship, even if it means Mm -hmm. some mistakes, we can survive those and the Lord can grow us through those. Mm -hmm. So that, that would be how I would encourage a woman in that situation.
0: Pastor, our question for this episode has to do with uh, a husband's workload. And we, we, we've done a discussion on this podcast before about leadership in the home and what that looks like, um, especially from the vantage point of a husband. And, um, but, but now let's shift that a little bit and think about um, as it relates to his place of work, the, the place he chooses to work. The question more has to do with what limits should the husband have on choosing a place to work if he wants to be a good leader at home, mm. and, um, and maybe even the amount of work that he has, maybe not, not just choosing a place to, um, but, but, but maybe a job in, um, that has a certain amount of stress or limits on his uh, workload, and um, maybe one that would neglect cause him to neglect his leadership at home.
1: Yeah, a couple thoughts come to mind. I mean, first off, um, as you acknowledge in the question, as men, we have to remember we have more than one responsibility given to us in the Word of God. You know, we have the responsibility to provide, protect. This is what you see in scripture as being a man's God-given role with respect to his family. But we're also called to be teachers in the home, called to love our wives and called to instruct our children. And so we, we can't feel satisfied because we're achieving in one realm if we're neglecting another. If I look at what I'm doing in the financial realm And I say, I'm I'm a good provider for my family, but I'm not spending any time with my wife. I'm not spending time with my children. I'm not loving her well. I'm not instructing my children well. Well, then I'm failing Mm -hmm. in a a God-given area of responsibility. So I just need to remember I have more than one God-given assignment. It's not just to provide. When I I text you and I've talked about before Matthew 6, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, specifically there, what, what we're told God will take care of for all the things that, that people are anxious about. Mm-hmm. What I'm gonna eat, what am I gonna put on and wear, where am I gonna live? Our Heavenly Father knows we need these things. He takes care of these things. So what's often drives the workaholic is a sense of safety found in his work. If I work hard, I'll be sure to have a job. If I work hard and please my bosses, my salary will increase. I'll be able to take more, be better care of my family. I've got to remember who my provider is. My provider is the Lord and He calls me to make living for Him preeminent. Hmm. More important than anything else is that I could say, I'm pursuing the things that that make for, for godliness. I'm pursuing the things that that uh, belong to the realm of righteousness. So it's not righteous, it's not godly to neglect my wife. It's not godly to neglect my church. It's not godly to neglect my children. So So if my work life, makes it impossible, as it were, to pursue righteousness in those realms. I need to adjust what I'm doing at work. So so the first thought that comes to my mind is to remember, I have more than one God-given responsibility. Now, having said that, I do think that we need to remember the teaching the Bible gives us about home life is given in, in a time uh, where the culture is largely agrarian. Mm-hmm. right? People got up at, at Daybreak, mm-hmm. and they worked the land or they worked wherever they were until nightfall. So, God does call us to work hard, mm-hmm. and taking care of our families doesn't mean that we're at home all the time. What it, what it does mean is that when the day comes to an end, I have enough in the reservoir, I have enough left over to make sure I invest well in my wife and in my children. I even think wives' expectations sometimes in this culture need to be adjusted. Hmm. Seems like we're working fewer and fewer hours, given technology. And so sometimes a wife begins to expect that her husband's supposed to be around all the time. Mm -hmm. And, And so we need to hear the Bible teaches about taking care of our wives and our children in the context of a culture when it was first given, where work was very difficult and it was day long. So obeying God cannot require me to, you know, construct my work life in such a way that I'm working five or six hours a day. That can't be the requirement given when the scriptures were given to us. So Mm -hmm. so I think an adjustment of expectations on both ends of that spectrum are needed.
0: And in American culture, at least, and and probably more uh, worldwide and developed countries, the five-day work week is kind of the standard. Mm. It seems like this pattern God establishes in creation, uh, which obviously made its way through Old Testament Israel, um, is that you work six days, and right. then you have a day of rest right. and maybe family devotion. What do you think about that? Is, that? is that a better pattern for Christians, or what would you say? No, I would just say
1: that's an ex- excellent example of what I, I talked about just a moment ago, which is I think we need an adjustment in this culture of our expectations regarding work. Hmm. Hmm. So, so if, if, if the pattern, the biblical pattern, was six days of work and one day of rest, that if in our culture we're blessed with two days mm-hmm. to rest and invest in our families, we're blessed. Yeah, yeah, true. And, and we're not being overworked mm-hmm. to work hard five days a week, nor are our families being neglected if we work hard five days a week. So what's, what's more important than, than trying to truncate our work life is that when we come home, we realize that our work hasn't ended. Our work in the realm of provision has mm-hmm. been taken care of for that day but God has assigned other work to us as well, Mm -hmm. to love our wife, to instruct our children. And so that's when that work begins. Mm -hmm. And um, I've told my sons, you know, Josh, God has blessed me with three sons. And I've told them, God has given us a role that is servant oriented. And and I I could say one thing to young men as they contemplate getting married and having family life is be prepared to sacrifice, be Mm -hmm. prepared to be a giver Right. Our role as husbands is that, it's and fathers. Mm-hmm. We are givers. Mm-hmm. We are servants. And we have the best example, a, a perfect example, in the Lord Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And so if we can have that mindset, Lord, I exist to serve, then when I come home from a long day's work, and I've served in the realm of provision, I don't think I'm being put upon to now serve in other ways, mm-hmm. you know, to listen to my wife who spent the entire day talking to a five-year-old, mm-hmm. uh, has had no adult conversation in some cases. I'm not being put upon to sit down and have a good conversation with her or, or for her to say to me, can we now go over Bible lessons with the children? You know, that, that's not too much. Mm-hmm. That's something I should embrace joyfully. It's mm-hmm. another realm of work that the Lord has assigned to me. And there, there's something really great about putting your head down on the pillow at night and knowing that you've worked hard mm-hmm. in all the realms God has given you to be faithful. And there's a joy in that. Mm. So sometimes we're robbing ourselves of joy. When mm. We think we're actually um, pampering ourselves. We're actually robbing ourselves of that joy is found in working hard at the things God has assigned to us.
0: Our next question has to do with being a biblically faithful woman in the home and in the workplace. We've obviously addressed this in other podcast episodes before, but maybe not in this specific way. The seminal passage in the Bible that has to do with with a woman and, and being industrious and working at home, and um, and, and also uh, working in the world, providing for the for the family, is Proverbs thirty one. Obviously, there are a couple verses. In Proverbs 31, uh, where it mentions an industrious woman, Um, she considers a field and buys it. That's verse 16. Uh, With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. And uh, verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. She's always doing things, and yet at the same time, she's taking care of the home. She's providing uh, um, for her children, raising the children. Uh, She does so well that her children praise her and her husband praises her. Uh, at the gates, and uh, but but I think maybe in our culture in our times sometimes we can uh, uh, kind of just follow in line with what the world really tells us about uh, what a woman should really be like in the world. Um, industrious, yes, but uh, but sometimes uh, a workaholic can 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 become the type of of woman that 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 is raised in our culture. They they should be independent and they should work really hard. They should advance in their careers. And, uh, and for Christians, that can be a bit of a challenge sometimes. How do you maintain a healthy balance? Let's say I'm a, 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 that my wife is raising children. She also is able to work from home. How does she avoid becoming a workaholic and ma- maintaining a healthy balance like the Proverbs 31 woman?
1: Well, Josh, the Proverbs 31 woman is the ideal woman. So in a sense, Proverbs 31 represents a, a goal, and ambition, toward which godly women can strive. She's an industrious woman, but she's still it's still home industry. So she's still a woman who pictures what it means to be a homemaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has a husband, she has children, she has servants in Proverbs 31 that she takes care of, and so Mm -hmm. it's still home industry. The question though that you're asking is, is it possible for a woman who has given herself to godly womanhood, so Mm -hmm. she embraces what the Bible teaches about the sexes and the roles that God has assigned to us, she embraces that. Is it possible for that woman to find herself becoming a workaholic? Mm-hmm. You know, We addressed this question on a previous podcast regarding men. Mm-hmm. Is it possible for a woman to fall into the same trap even in the realm of home life? And I think the answer is yes. We just ha- We all have to remember <laughs> that God has given us multiple things for which we are responsible. And so when we find ourselves out of balance in one area or another with the Word of God, we just need to to have correctives. We need to get back into into balance on those areas. So for example, let's say a woman is really conscientious about the home itself, uh, making sure everything's clean, picked up and all of the rest, but she has little ones running around the house. She's gonna drive herself mad trying to keep that home Mm -hmm. immaculate while at the same time trying to shepherd little souls. We have to be realistic about our circumstances and the stages of life that we find ourselves in. I have two daughters-in-law, one of whom has small children, and she's a hard worker, but there are just times that if she were to try to keep that house perfect, she would find herself frustrated mm-hmm. because those two little ones are, are full of energy. One is you know, an infant, so she's having to take care of that one in a special kind of way, feeding. and. And he's, he's not walking around yet. He's not able to play by himself and those sorts of things, naps and all of that. And then my little grandson, who's four years of age is hyperactive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's wonderful, but he's full of energy and always wanting her to play with him. And and, and they're, they're, you know in addition to Bible lessons and things of that nature, there's just attention that has to be given. So if you thought that you were gonna be measured, your success as a mom was gonna be measured by keeping that house perfectly, Mm -hmm. you're gonna feel like a failure a lot. So I I just, yes, the answer, the short answer is, it is possible to overdo it in one area or another. And so we just have to take into our hearts everything God has assigned to us and do our very best to to keep those things proportional and to make sure we're giving ourselves our best to each of those areas in a way that represents the multiple assignments we've been given.
0: So uh, on the same topic, let's think about maybe a, a home where the children have been raised, they've gone on and they're starting families of their own. Okay. And let's say in, in this scenario that a woman goes back to work and we're thinking about the biblical relationship, um, husband and wife and, and, and the husband's responsibility in a home uh, versus what we mainly see with the woman's responsibility and keeping the home and raising it. Is there a way in which um, those roles might become usurped and reversed maybe unintentionally And and how can one guard against those things?
1: Absolutely, that can happen. I go back to Genesis, where even as God pronounces the curses upon man and woman, man is going to feel the effects of the fall in, if I could say it this way, in his work life, in working the soil, working the ground. woman is going to feel pain in childbearing, so in domestic life. I think we need to remember that, that the responsibility to provide and protect has been given to the husband, the responsibility for homemaking has been given to the wife. This, is, this carries through all the way through the New Testament. It's not popular, it's not culturally mm-hmm. acceptable to say, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And so if a husband and wife agree that because the children have graduated the home, she's going to work outside the home, they, they still need to be sure that this happens in a way that their roles are not reversed, mm-hmm. confused. I would even encourage women to think, I mean, if if extra income is needed, perhaps that's a good reason for her to work outside the home, some other realm. But I would even encourage women, Christian women, to think about how much of my extra time now can I give to discipling the next generation, Mm -hmm. right? The Lord has allowed us to raise a family. Well, now there are young women coming behind me who are raising theirs. Mm -hmm. Can I be of help to them? not only in a a counseling role, in a mentoring role, in a teaching role, but maybe even helping them with their children. Mm -hmm. And we spoke a moment ago about young women who have all of this going on in their home and how frustrating it can be. Well, can I I lend a helping hand with some of those ladies? How can I serve around the church? What ministries does the church have that I can plug into and and be helpful? So instead of just thinking immediately about taking a job somewhere, Mm. maybe there's another kind of work that I can give myself to that will really be not only satisfying to my own heart, but advance the kingdom of God in some way. But whatever the case is, a wife just needs to be sure that she's being faithful to love her husband, care for her home. And as long as those priorities are being met, then she can do the other. But she, she just needs to be sure she doesn't get her priorities confused about what comes first.
0: Thanks again for joining us for the Straight Truth Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. And we'd love for you to share this episode with other friends and family. And the easiest way to do that is by going to our website, straighttruth.net. And there you can find links to all of our social media channels. So be sure to like and subscribe to one of those channels and pass it along. And do us a favor and go to the iTunes podcast section and leave us a review. And that will help us spread the word about this podcast to more and more people. And we need your support. So if you'd like to learn how to help us to continue to produce this podcast, you can do that again from our website, straighttruth.net. Now, Straight Truth is a production of Walking in Grace Ministries, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Richard Caldwell. For more information, go to walkingingrace.org.